Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Jonah chapter 4 and looking today at verses 10 and 11, uh, we've seen throughout the book of Jonah God's mercy demonstrated in many different ways to the prophet Jonah, to the people on the uh, ship out in the Mediterranean, to the city of Nineveh, and then again to Jonah over and over throughout the text. So Jonah is told by the Lord to go to Nineveh. He refuses. He runs. He is thrown into the sea uh, by the sailors. They are delivered. He is swallowed by a giant fish. He prays to the Lord to deliver him, and the Lord mercifully uh, acknowledges that prayer and hears it, and the fish vomits Jonah up onto the land. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah again, telling him to go to Nineveh. This time he goes in obedience to the word of the Lord, uh, sort of kicking and screaming as we've seen throughout our study. He goes to Nineveh, he proclaims judgment that the Lord has told him to pronounce, and the people of Nineveh from the lowest all the way up to the king uh, repent, turn from their wicked ways, and they are spared by the Lord who holds back the judgment that he had declared that he would bring about them. Jonah, as a result of this, is furious with the Lord. He accuses the Lord of uh, injustice, does not believe that the Lord uh, is truthful in what he had told him he was going to do. And as a result of this, we saw last time, uh, the Lord began to work with Jonah to try to teach him uh, one last lesson really about God's uh, character, but also about God's heart toward uh, all humanity, specifically Nineveh here. So we're going to be looking uh, directly at verses 10 and 11. I'm going to start reading for the sake of context from Jonah chapter 4 and verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And should not I have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? And that is the conclusion of the book of Jonah. The Lord gives one final question, and it is left hanging for Jonah to consider, and it is left for us to consider 
the message of the entire book. And that's what we're going to look at in the following moments together here. So in verses 5 through 8, we are given sort of this living parable, this, this real-life series of events that are meant to instruct Jonah. Just as the parables of Jesus are meant to share sort of this heavenly or spiritual truth, reality, with his disciples and, and others using uh, word pictures. So the Lord in Jonah chapter 4 is actually using uh, real things, real events taking place in Jonah's life, albeit small, that are meant to instruct him and help change his thinking. That's really what the Lord is seeking to do here, to convict Jonah about wrong thinking and how he can think rightly. So let's review uh, what the Lord does for him. Jonah goes out, he sits to the east of the city, uh, looking to see what would happen. The Lord appoints a plant showing the sovereignty of God. God causes a plant to grow up over Jonah's head to provide shade for him, and Jonah's really happy. Jonah has his highs and lows in this chapter. Next, God appoints a worm at dawn the next day to begin to eat the plant and deteriorate the plant. And then uh, he appoints this scorching, really hot eastern wind that hits Jonah's uh, skin and the sun, when it beats down on Jonah's head, makes Jonah just so hot and uncomfortable that, again, he wishes uh, that he could die. Now, we might be looking at this thinking that Jonah is melodramatic here, uh, but in this place in the world, in modern-day Iraq, in the heat of the sun with a scorching east wind, I think you and I might really want to die, too, if we were in those uh, circumstances. So God... Again, in verse 9, the Lord speaks to Jonah, asks him the same question he had asked in verse 4 with a slightly different emphasis. In verse 4, he had asked, do you have a good reason to be angry? Here he's asking Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? So it's really the same issue, and he's going to draw a connection between these two things, between the deliverance of Nineveh and between the plant situation in Jonah's life. Jonah responds to this uh, by saying, I have good reason to be angry even to death. He's saying, yes, it's right for me to be angry. I am the one in the right. You are the one that's in the wrong, and I'm so angry that I wish uh, that I could die. Now, in verses 10 and 11, the Lord is going to hammer home the point for Jonah and for us to ponder and consider what the entire purpose of this book, of this uh, situation in the history of Israel was. And this is what the Lord says. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. What he is saying to Jonah without saying these words is that you are being so hypocritical right now. You are concerned about a plant, not a human being, not a group of human beings, not possibly the one of the largest cities in the ancient world at this time, filled with human beings, all created in God's image, you are concerned about a plant that was shading you 
from the son. And he convicts him really hard with it here for which you did not work. You didn't do anything with this plant, Jonah, for which you did not cause to grow. It came up one night and perished the next day, came up overnight and perished overnight. God is saying to Jonah, uh, how, and he's probably starting to think and see the own inconsistency in the way that he's acting here. How can you be compassionate or invested, is a word we might use today, in this plant and be so uncaring for an entire group of people? And so the Lord says in verse 11, Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. Now, this is a, a lengthy sentence that the Lord is putting forward here. It reminds us in some ways of the end of the book of Job, where uh, Job throughout has wondered at times why the Lord is subjecting him to suffering, to go through such terrible things. And Job has uh, individuals that come to talk with him, and they give him generally not very good advice uh, until somewhat toward the end. Uh, and so then the Lord himself appears in the last chapters of the book and questions Jonah. Uh, you, okay, Jonah, you have questioned me. Now uh, uh, stand up and take the accusations of the Almighty. And he uh, asks him if he is able to do uh, things related to creation that really and truly only God could do. Now here, Jonah is being subjected to divine questioning. And God asks Jonah, essentially, uh, he's answering Jonah's accusation about injustice. Uh, when God had asked Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? He's asking him, is it right for you to be angry. In other words, Jonah, are you certain that you are the one in the right and I am the one who is wrong? And Jonah, the first time, says nothing, showing that, yes, that's what he is actually thinking. And the second time, he very clear, clearly states, I, I am right. I believe I am right. I do have a good reason to be angry, even, even to death. And the Lord, in these two sentences, is uh, attacking that line of thought. He says in verse 11, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons. Now, archaeologically and historically, there were many more than 120,000 persons in the vicinity of Nineveh. What is this number? Well, some scholars believe that this refers to uh, children or persons under uh, a certain age within Nineveh who would not have any uh, knowledge of uh, direction, their right hand and their left hand. In other words, children, individuals who really don't have the cognitive ability to make decisions for themselves. The Lord is asking Jonah, is it right for me to not show compassion on these individuals, to pronounce judgment upon these individuals for the sins of their parents, for the wickedness of the entire society. 
Perhaps Jonah had not stopped to think about the implications of judgment on the entire city and vicinity of Nineveh, both on uh, the men, the women, the children, the animals, everything. God is saying to Jonah, shouldn't I have the right to have compassion on these people? These people who, to use the plant analogy, I did work and I did cause them to grow. They did not simply just come up overnight and perish overnight. These are human beings, Jonah, whom I love and am invested in. And so this question that God poses to Jonah is how the book ends. What about these individuals in this society? And it points us toward the compassionate nature of God, which Jonah knew about, but somehow did not draw the right conclusions about. The Lord is not simply localized to the nation of Israel. He is not simply concerned about the people of Israel. He is not simply concerned about one particular people group. The Lord is the God of all the earth. He is concerned with all human beings. What are the implications for us from the end of this passage. Well, we'll talk a little bit more next time, but just two lessons to finish up our time uh, together today. First of all, God's justice is not based on our perception, what we see or the way we see it, the way that we think about the world. Jonah's thoughts were very much skewed by sin. God's justice is based on his complete and comprehensive knowledge and his righteous character. Secondly, God desires, we read in the New Testament, in 2 Peter, for all to be saved. He loves all men, wants to demonstrate his compassion to all. But not all people will be saved. We know that it's only through faith in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that an individual can be saved from their sin. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.